Chapter Six of Coled, A Tale of Arabia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joe Denoya, Somerset, New Jersey. Colette, A Tale of Arabia by Francis Marion Crawford, Chapter Six. On the following day, Colette made a division of the spoils and gave Almasta to Abdul Karim, enjoining upon him to marry her since he had but two wives, and could do so lawfully. The sheik of the horseman was glad, for he had heard much of Almasta's beauty, and he loved fair women, being of a fierce temper and not more than forty years old. So he called his friends to the marriage feast that same day, and Zahawa sent Almasta in a litter to his harem, giving her also numerous rich garments by way of a dower, but which in fact were due to Abdul Karim as his share of the booty. So the men feasted, with music, until the evening, when the bridegroom retired to the harem, and the Qadi came and read the contract, after which Abdul Karim sat down while Amasta was brought before him in various dresses, one after the other, as is customary. When the women were all gone away, Abdul Karim began to talk to his wife, but she only laughed and said the few words she knew, not knowing what he said, and presently she began to sing to him in a low voice in her own language. Her voice was very clear and quite different from that of the Arabian women whom Abdul had heard and the tones vibrated with great passion and sweetness, so that he was enchanted and listened as in a dream while his head rested against Almas's knee. She continued to sing in such a manner that his soul was transported with delight, and at last, as the sound soothed him, he fell into a gentle sleep. Almasta, still singing softly, loosened his vest, touching him so gently that he did not wake. She then drew out of one of the tresses of her hair a fine steel needle, extremely long and sharp, having at one end a small wooden ball for a handle. And while she sang, she thrust it very quickly into his breast to its full length, so that it pierced his heart and he died instantly. But she continued to sing, lest any of the women should be listening from a distance. Presently she withdrew the needle so slowly that not a drop of blood followed it, and having made it pass thrice through the carpet, she restored it to her hair, after which she fastened the dead man's vest again, so that nothing was disarranged. She sang on after this for some time, and then after a short silence she sprang up from the couch, uttering loud screams and lamentations and beating her breast violently. The women of the harem came in quickly, and when they saw that their master was dead, they sat down with Almasta and wept with her, for he lay dead there with no mark of any violence, nor any sign whereby it could be told that he had not died naturally. When Colette heard that Abdul Karim was dead, he was much grieved at heart, for the man had been brave and had been often at his right hand in battle. But the news being brought to him at dawn when he awoke, he immediately sent the Jewish physician of the court to ascertain, if possible, the cause of the sudden death. The physician made careful examination of the body, and having purified himself, returned to Colette to give an account. I have executed my lord's orders with scrupulous exactness, he said, and I find that without a doubt the sheik of the horseman died suddenly by an excess of humors to the heart, the sun being at that time in the nadir, for he died about midnight and being moreover in evil conjunction with the dragon's tail and the heart of the lion, and not yet far from the square aspect of Almarek, which caused the death of his majesty, the late sultan, upon whom be peace. But Khaled was thoughtful, for he reflected that this was the second time that a man had died suddenly when he was about to be Almasta's husband, and he remembered how she had attempted to kill the sultan of Hayel, and had ultimately brought about his death. Have you examined the dead man as minutely as you have observed the stars, he inquired? Is there no mark of violence upon him, nor of poison, nor of strangling? 
There is no mark. By Allah, I speak truth. My lord may see for himself, for the man is not yet buried. Am I a jackal that I should sniff at dead bodies? asked Khaled. Go in peace. The physician withdrew, for he saw that Khaled was displeased, and he was himself as much surprised as anyone by the death of Abdul Karim, a man lean and strong, not given to surfeiting, and in the prime of health. Min Allah, he said as he departed, we are in the hand of the Lord, who knoweth our rising up and our lying down. It is possible that if I had seen this man at the moment of death, or at a little before, I might have discovered the nature of his disease, for I could have talked with him and questioned him. But Khaled went in and talked with Zahawa. She was greatly astonished when she heard that Almasta's husband was dead. But she was satisfied with the answer of the Jewish physician, who enjoyed great reputation and was believed to be at that time the wisest man in Arabia. Give her back to me to be one of my women, said she. It is not written that she should marry a man of Najed, unless you will take her yourself. But Khaled bent his brow angrily, and his eyes glowed with the coals of a campfire which is almost extinguished, when the night wind blows suddenly over the ashes. I have spoken, he said. And I have heard, she answered. Let there be an end. But give me this woman to divert me with her broken speech. I fear that she will do you an injury of which you may not live, said Khaled. What injury can she do me? asked Sahawa in astonishment, not understanding him. She asked of your father the head of the Sultan of Hael, whom she hated, and your father gave it to her. Peace be upon him, exclaimed Zahawa piously. Upon him peace. But when he would have married her, he dies suddenly at the feasting. And now this Abdul Karim, who was to have been her husband, is dead also, without sign, in the night, as a man stung by a serpent in his sleep. These are strange doings. If you think she has done evil, let her be put to death, said Zahawa. But the physician found no mark upon Abdul Karim. By the hand of Allah, he was taken. Doubtless his fate was about his neck, but it is strange. Zahawa looked at Khaled in silence, but presently she smiled and laid her hand upon his. This woman loves you with her whole soul, she said. You think that she has slain Abdul Karim by secret arts and hope that she may marry you. And your father also. Then they were both silent, and Zahawa covered her face, since she could not prevent tears from falling when she thought of her father, whom she had loved. If this be so, she said after a long time, let the woman die immediately. It is necessary to be just, Khaled answered. I will put no one to death without witnesses, not even a captive woman, who is certainly an unbeliever at heart. Has anyone seen her do these deeds? Or does anyone know by what means a man may be slain in his sleep, or at a feast, so that no mark is left upon his body? At Deriyah, your father was alone with her in the inner part of the tent, and she was singing to him that he must sleep. For I have made inquiry, and when Abdul Karim died, he was also alone with her. I cannot understand these things, but you are a woman and subtle. It may be that you can see what is too dark for me. It may be. Therefore give her back to me, and I will lay a trap for her, so that she will betray herself if she has really done evil. And when we have convicted her by her own words, she shall die. Are you not afraid, Zahawa? Can I change my destiny? If my hour has come, I shall die of a fever or of a cold, whether she be with me or not. But if my years are not full, she cannot hurt me. This is undoubtedly true, answered Khaled, who could find nothing to say, but I will first question the woman myself. So he sent slaves with the litter to bring Almasta from the house of mourning to the palace. And when she had come, he sent out all the other women and remained alone with her and Zahawa, making her sit down before him so that he could see her face. Her cheeks were pale, for she had not slept, 
having been occupied in weeping and lamentation during the whole night, and her eyes moved restlessly as those of a person distracted with grief. Khaled then drew his sword and laid it across his feet as he sat and looked fixedly at Almasta. If you do not speak the truth, he said, I will cut off your head with my own hand. Allah is witness. When Almasta saw the drawn sword, her face grew whiter than before, and for some moments she seemed not able to breathe. But suddenly she began to beat her breast and broke out into loud wailings, rocking herself to and fro as she sat on the carpet. My husband is dead, she cried. He was young. He was beautiful. He is dead. Wah! Wah! My husband is dead. Kill me too. Khaled looked at Zahawa, but she said nothing, though she watched Almasta attentively. Then Khaled spoke to the woman again. Make an end of your lamenting for the present, he said. It has pleased Allah to take your husband to the fellowship of the faithful. Peace be upon him. Tell us in what manner he died, and what words he spoke when he felt his end approaching, for he was my good friend, and I wish to know all. Almasta either did not understand, or made a pretense of not understanding. But when she heard Colette's words, she ceased from wailing and sobbed silently, beating her breast from time to time. How did he die? Colette asked in a stern voice. He was asleep. He died replied Almasta in broken tones. "'You will get no other answer,' said Zahawa. "'She cannot speak our tongue.' "'Is there no woman among them all who can talk this woman's language?' asked Khaled with impatience, for he saw how useless it was to question her. "'There is no one. I have inquired. Leave her with me, and if there is anything to be known, I will try to find it out.' So Khaled went away, and Zahawa endeavored to soothe Almasta and make her talk in her broken words. But the woman made as though she could not be comforted, and went and sat apart upon the stone floor where there was no carpet, rocking to and fro, and wailing in a low voice. Zahawa understood that whatever the truth may be, Almasta was determined to express her sorrow in the customary way, and that it would be better to leave her alone. For seven days she sat thus apart, covering her head and mourning, and refusing to speak with anyone, so that all the women supposed her to be indeed distracted with the grief at the death of Abdul Karim and each day Khaled inquired of his wife whether she had yet learned anything, and received the same answer. But in the meantime he was occupied with his own thoughts, as well as with the affairs of the kingdom, though the latter were as nothing in his mind compared with the workings of his heart when he thought of Zahawa. It chanced one evening that Khaled was riding among the gardens without the city, attended only by a few horsemen, for he was simple in his ways, and liked little to have a great throng of attendants about him. So he rode alone, while the horsemen followed at a distance. Was ever a man or an angel so placed in the world as I am placed, he thought? How much better would it have been had I never seen Zahawa, if I had never slain the Indian prince? For I should still have been with my fellows, the genie, from which I am now cut off, and at least I should have lived until the day of the resurrection. But now my horse may stumble and fall, my neck may be broken, and there is no hereafter. Or I may die in my sleep, or be killed in my sleep, and there will be no resurrection for me, nor any more life anywhere in earth or heaven. For Zahawa would never love me. Was ever a man so placed? And I am ashamed to complain to her any more, for she is a good wife, obedient and careful of my wants, and beautiful as the moon is full, rising amidst palm trees, besides being very wise and subtle. How can I complain? Has she not given me herself, whom I desired, and a great kingdom which, indeed, I did not desire, but which no man could despise as a gift? Yet I am burned up within, and my heart is melting as a piece of frankincense laid upon coals in an empty chamber, when no man cares for its sweet savor. Surely I am the most wretched of mankind. 
Oh, that the angel who had made garments for me out of the gada bush and the bay mare of a locust would come down and lay his hand upon Zahawa's breast and make a living heart of the stone which Allah has set in its place. So he rode slowly on, reasoning as he had often reasoned before, and reaching the same conclusion in all his argument, which availed him nothing. But suddenly, as the sun went down, a new thought entered his mind and gave him a little hope. The sun has gone down, he said to himself, but Allah has not destroyed the sun. It will rise in the east tomorrow while the white cock crows in the first heaven. Many things have being which the sight of man cannot see. It may be that although I see no signs of love in the heaven of Zahawa's eyes, yet love is already there and will before long rise to the sun and illuminate my darkness. For I am not subtle as the evil genie are, but I must see very clearly before I am able to distinguish. He rode back into the city, planning how he might surprise Zahawa and obtain from her unawares some proof that she indeed loved him. To this end he entered the palace by the secret gate, covering his garments with his abba, and his head with the kufiyah he wore, in order to disguise himself from the slaves and the soldiers whom he met on his way to the harem. He passed on towards Zahawa's apartment by an unlighted passage not generally used, and hid himself in the niche of the wall close to the open door, from which he could see all that happened and hear what was said. Zahawa was seated in her accustomed place, and Almasta was beside her. Khaled could watch their faces by the light of the hanging lamps, as the two women talked together. You must put aside all mourning now, Zahawa was saying, for I will find another husband for you. Another husband? Almasta smiled and shook her head. Yes, there are other goodly men in Riyadh, although Abdul Karim was one of the goodliest, as all say who knew him. He was the Sultan's friend, but he was more soldier than courtier. He deserved a better death. Abdul Karim died in peace. He was asleep. Amasa smiled still, but more sadly, and her eyes were cast down. He died in peace, Zahawa repeated, watching her narrowly. But it is better to die in battle by the enemy's hands. Such a man, falling in front of the fight for the true faith, enters immediately into paradise, to dwell forever under the petrol shade of the tree Sadrat. And neither blackness nor shame shall cover his face. There the rivers flow with milk and with clarified honey and he shall rest on a couch covered with thick silk embroidered with gold, and shall possess seventy beautiful virgins, whose eyes are blacker than mine and their skin whiter than yours, having color like rubies and pearls, and their voices like the song of nightingales in a gem, of which travelers tell. These are the rewards of the true believer as set forth in Al-Quran by our Prophet, upon whom peace. A man slain in battle for the faith enters directly into the possession of all this, but unbelievers shall be taken by the forelock and the heels and cast into hell, to drink boiling molten brass as a thirsty camel drinks clear water. Almasta understood very little of Zahawa said, but she smiled nevertheless, catching the meaning of some of the words. The Sultan Khaled loves black eyes, she said. He will go to paradise. Doubtless, he will quench his thirst in the incorruptible milk of heavenly rivers, Zahawa replied. He is the chief of the brave, the light of the faith, and the burning torch of righteousness. Otherwise, Allah would not have chosen him to rule. But I spoke of Abdul Karim. He died in peace, said Almasta the second time, and again looking down. I do not know how he died, Zahawa answered, looking steadily at the woman's face. It was a great misfortune for you. Do you understand? I am very sorry for you. You would have been happy with Abdul Karim. I mourn for him, Almasta said, not raising her eyes. It is natural and right. Doubtless you loved him as soon as you saw him. Almasta glanced quickly at Zahawa, as though suspecting a hidden meaning in the words, and for a moment each of the women looked into the other's eyes, 
but Zahawa saw nothing, for a wise man has truly said that one may see into the depths of black eyes as into a deep well, but that blue eyes are like the sea of Oman in winter, sparkling in the sun as a plain of blue sand, but underneath more unfathomable than the desert. Almasta was too wise and deceitful to let the silence last, so when she had looked at Zahawa and understood, she smiled somewhat sorrowfully and spoke. I could have loved him, she said. I desire no husband now. That is not true, Zahawa answered quickly. You wish to marry Khaled, and that is the reason why you killed Abdul Karim. Almasta started as a camel struck by a flood of locusts. What is this lie? she cried out with indignation. Who has told you this lie? But her face was as gray as a stone, and her lips trembled. You probably killed him by magic arts learned in your own country, said Zahawa quietly. Do not be afraid. We are alone, and no one can hear us. Tell me how you killed him. Truly it was very skillful of you, since the physician, who was the wisest man in Arabia, could not tell how it was done. But Almasta began to beat her breast and to make o's and asservations in her own language, which Zahawa could not understand. If you will tell me how you did it, I will give you a rich gift, Zahawa continued. But so much the more Almasta cried out, stretching her hands upwards and speaking incomprehensible words. So Zahawa waited until she became quiet again. It may be that Khaled will marry you, if you will tell me your secret, Zahawa said after a time. Then Almasta's cheek burned, and she bent down her eyes. Will you tell me how to kill a man and leave no trace, asked Zahawa, still pressing her? Look at this pearl. Is it not beautiful? See how well it looks upon your hair? It is as a leaf of a white rose upon a river of red gold. And on your neck, you cannot see it yourself. It is like the full moon hanging upon a milky cloud. Khaled would give you many pearls like this if he married you. Will you not tell me? Whom do you wish to kill? Almasta asked very suddenly, but Zahawa was unmoved. It may be that I have a private enemy, she said. Perhaps there is one who disturbs me, against whom I plot in the night, but can find no way of ridding myself of him. A woman might give much to destroy such a one. Khaled will kill your enemies. He loves you. He will kill all whom you hate. You make progress. You speak our language better, said Zahawa, laughing a little. You will soon be able to tell the sultan that you love him, as well as I could myself. But you do not love him, Almasta answered boldly. Sahawa bent her eyebrows so that they met between her eyes as the grip of a bow. Then Khaled's heart leapt in his breast, for he saw that she was angry with the woman, and he supposed it was because she had secretly loved him. But he held his breath, lest even his breathing should betray him. The portion of fools is fire, said Zahawa, not deigning to give any other answer, for she was a king's daughter and Almasta was a bought slave, though Khaled had taken her in war. "'Be merciful,' exclaimed Almasta in humble tones. "'I am your handmaid, and I speak Arabic badly.' "'You speak with exceeding clearness when it pleases you. "'Indeed, I cannot talk in your language, for it is not long since I came to Arabia. "'We will have you taught, for we will give you a husband who will teach you with sticks. "'There is a certain hunchback, having one eye, and marked with the smallpox, "'whose fists are like the feet of a camel.' He will be a good husband for you, and will teach you the Arabic language, and your skin shall be dissolved, but your mind will be enlightened thereby. Be merciful, I desire no husband. It is good that a woman should marry, even though the bridegroom be a hunchback. But if you will tell me your secret, I will give you a better husband and forgive you. There is no secret. I have killed no one, cried Almasta. Who has told you the lie? And moreover, continued Zahawa, not regarding her protestations, there are other ways of learning your secrets, besides by kindness, such for instance, as sticks and hot irons, and hunger and thirst in a prison where there are reptiles and poisonous spiders. 
besides many other things which I have no doubt the slaves of the palace are acquainted. It is better that you should tell your secret and be happy. There is no secret, Amasta repeated, and she would say nothing else, for she did not trust Zahawa and feared a cruel death if she told the truth. But Zahawa wearied of the contest at last, being by no means sure that the woman had really done any evil, and having no intention of using any violent means such as she had suggested, for she was as just as she was wise, and would have no one suffer wrongly. Khaled indeed cared little for the pain of others, having seen much bloodshed in war, and would have caused Amasta to be tortured if Zahawa had desired it. But she did not preferring to wait and see whether she could not entrap the slave into a confession. Khaled now came out of his hiding-place into the room and advanced towards Zahawa, who remained sitting upon the carpet, while Amasta rose and made a respectful salutation, but neither of the women knew that he had been hidden in the niche. Zahawa did not seem surprised, though Amasta's face was white and her eyes were cast down, though indeed Khaled wished that it had been otherwise. He was encouraged, however, by what he had seen, for Zahawa had certainly been angry with Amasta on his account and he dismissed the latter that he might be alone with his wife. "'You are wise, Zahawa,' he said, and gifted with much insight. But you will learn nothing from this woman, though you talk with her for a whole year, for she suspects you and is guarded in her speech and manner. I was standing by the doorway a long time. You did not see me, but I heard all that you said.' "'Why did you hide yourself?' Zahawa asked, looking at him curiously. "'In order to listen,' he answered, and I heard something and saw something which pleased me. When she said that you did not love me, you were angry. Did that please you? You are more easily pleased than I had thought. Shall I bear such things from a slave? How is it her business whether I love you or not? But you were angry, Khaled repeated, vainly hoping that she would say more, yet not wishing to press her too far, lest she should say again that she did not love him. She, however, said nothing in reply, but busied herself in taking his kafia from his head and his sword from his side, that he might be at ease. He rested upon the cushions and drank of the cool drink she offered him. This woman, Almasta, is exceedingly beautiful, he said at last. It would indeed be a pity that a slave of such value should go into the possession of another so that we can see her no more. It is best that you should keep her with you. Zahawa laughed a little. She sat down beside him and began to play with her beads. This is what I have said, she answered. I will keep her with me. It is better so, said Khaled. Then he remained silent in deep thought, having devised a new plan for gaining what he most desired. It seemed to him possible that Zahawa might be moved by jealousy, if by nothing else. For although he had sworn to her, and angrily, that he would never take Almasta for his wife, and though nothing could really have prevailed upon him to make him do so, yet it would be easy to talk to the woman and speak to her of her beauty, and appear to take delight in her singing, which was more melodious than that of a Persian nightingale. Since she would now be permanently established in his harem, Nothing would be easier than for him to spend many hours in the woman's society. Being a simple-minded man, the plan seemed to him subtle, and he determined to put it into execution without delay. He knew also that Almasta had loved him since the first day when she had been brought before him in the palace of Hael, and this would make it still more easy to rouse Zahawa's jealousy. Though she had herself advised him to marry Almasta, he did not believe that she was greatly in earnest, for he felt assured that if the possibility were presented before her in such a way as to appear imminent, she would be deceived by the appearance. It is better that she should remain here, he said after a long time, for we cannot put her to death without evidence of her guilt, and if we are obstinate in wishing to give her a husband, we do not know how many husbands she may destroy before she is satisfied. She is beautiful and will be an ornament in your kawa. Indeed, I do not know why I sent her away just now, when I came in. Let us call her back, that she may sing to us some of her own songs. Zahawa clapped her hands and Amasta immediately returned for she had indeed been waiting outside the door, 
endeavoring to hear what was said, since she suspected that Khaled would speak of her and ask questions. She understood well enough, and often much better than she was willing to show, though she could as yet speak but a few words of the Arabic language. Sit at my feet, said Khaled, and sing to me the songs of your own people. Almasta took a musical instrument from the wall and sat down to sing. Her voice, indeed, was of enchanting sweetness, but as for the words of her songs, the seven wise men themselves could not have understood a syllable of them, seeing that they were neither Arabic nor Persian, nor even Greek. Nevertheless, Khaled made a pretense of being much pleased, resting his head against the cushions and closing his eyes as though the sound soothed him. As for Zahawa, she watched the woman with great curiosity, wondering whether it were possible that a creature so fair as Almasta could have done the evil deeds of which she was suspected, and planning how she might surprise her into the confession of guilt. End of chapter 6